Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. We're so glad you're here. I'm Leanne Dolan here at the Wondery Sunset Studios in West Hollywood. I'm a writer and producer, and I'm ready to go today. It's good. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here with Leon. Leon just said right before we started, let's have fun, everybody. Right. And we do. We try to do that. Uh, I'm a business person. I live in Santa Monica, California, and uh, I am having fun today, Leon, already. How about you, Jewel? Fun times here in Dallas, Texas. I'm Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I'm an empty nester. I'm an urban nana. And I have to tell you, for the last two weeks, every day, I've gotten an email from LinkedIn, you know, which is the professional Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And the email, it's personalized. It says, Julie, comma, do you know Leon Dolan, writer, <laughs> podcaster, uh, speaker, producer? And every day I say, nope, never heard of her. <laughs> just gives just me so much fun. Outsmart, fun, fun, that, fun. outsmart the algorithm. Go for it. I just, did it. You're confounding it. I like it. Julie, I, it never even occurred to me you'd be on LinkedIn. So now I'm going to really, I'm going to ask you to accept me every day. I'm going to try to connect with you every day. Oh, now I that I know. that. Uh, okay. Uh, we have a big, Liz, you have something? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, speaking of technology, I would like to announce that I've officially become the conference call person I've always most hated. Oh. And here's what's happening. You know, I've been holding out, not buying a new phone, sticking with my, my iPhone 6, yeah. because I'm still so mad at Apple that all the new phones don't have headphone jacks in them. Yeah. So I'm like, no, you can't make me buy a phone with no headphone jack. So it's gotten to the point where now where my headphone jack is so dysfunctional that Every time my um, uh, the earbuds shake at all, uh, it hangs up on the call. So, <laughs> so yesterday I was on a conference call. I had to dial back in five times. Oh. So I think that's okay. a sign from the universe. Dude, that's a sign. Dude. A sign. <laughs> I, think phone, my, dude. I think my boycott of one is not working. So that there's my to-do list, a little advance peek to my to-do list for today. Going to have to bite the bullet, get a new phone. I just want to tell you. I hate talking about phones. You know, I think it's super I know. Tedious. You told us yesterday talking about phones is boring. I, I know. Leanne really sort of banned that topic, Leanne, <laughs> Liz. But I'm you, just saying. I know. Just saying. I bought an iPhone 6 a yeah. couple months ago under 100 bucks. Yeah. You're literally giving them away. You can I, just go buy the same damn phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you know it has leaked. Out. Okay. Let's not talk about phones. Okay. Just not, They're no not longer going to be supporting those technically, Leanne. Just FYI. Okay. But okay. It, 
It's, it, it was practically bucks. free, so you don't care. <laughs> hundred bucks. I mean, we are in the communications business. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on. Okay, we yeah. do have a big show. Yeah, we do. Much okay. more thoughtful things to talk about. Julie, uh, we're going to talk about the surprising boost you get from strangers. You, you're yeah, do you us- talk to strangers? Don't tell me. I, I'll, I'll ask you later in the show. But it's, it's surprisingly good news about talking to strangers. All right. We're also going to talk about an op-ed in the New York Times by the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Julie, you want to talk about that as well. So we're mm-hmm. we're on that. Uh, Liz, you mentioned a term uh, on Safe for Work this week, your other podcast, The Glass Cliff. Yes, Leanne, were you familiar with The Glass Cliff? I, I was not familiar with the term, but I'm familiar with the situation. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. We have an Entertaining Sisters this week. We have uh, the Veep finale. Julie is bringing us things from Russia that... One of which Russia with love. There's some good. There's a good movie and an interesting, important uh, HBO series that I want to recommend. You okay. know, Julie. Last week, before we started the show, when Leanne and I were just alone in the ready room, she said, "Why would anyone on earth watch a TV show about Chernobyl?" <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you watched well, it, and you're you going to tell us why we should. You should because okay. it could happen again. Okay. Okay. We'll there's talk. why, Leanne. Okie doke. (laughs) On a more uplifting note, I went to see Melinda Gates last week. She was here in Los Angeles being interviewed by John Legend. Oh, wow. And I'm going to tell you about my night. It was a great night. And Julie, you have a little more royal baby. Uh, But first, Liz, sad news about one of your heroes. Yes, R.I.P. Peggy Lipton. You know, Leon, you're probably not old enough to appreciate Peggy Lipton, like what it meant for her to be Julie on TV. But Julie... I'm sure know, you appreciate okay. She it. had my same name, so yeah, that yeah, was amazing. Yeah. She was the coolest of cool. Yeah. I mean— So I was thinking you, a lot you, about this. Like, okay, so here's the logline for the show. For those of you who are too young or just never watched it, uh, police captain Adam Greer recruits a trio of hippie cops with checkered pasts to infiltrate the counterculture and nail the adult criminal's preying on clueless young Southern Californians. The youth squad is made up of Pete, whose wealthy parents kicked him out of their posh Beverly Hills home, Link, a survivor of the ghetto, and Julie, a former hooker arrested for vagrancy. Now, okay, this is 1968, Lee, and you can't appreciate this had never happened before on TV. And the, uh, the tagline, which I posted yesterday in our Facebook group, cops, one white, one black, one blonde. It's like the best tagline ever. Like, don't you want to watch that show? Yes. Yeah, I want to watch it now. Yeah. I, I, I didn't watch it then because I was very, very young. Yes. Three. <laughs> you were three. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. And it featured an interracial cast, 1968. That was very unusual. And it dealt with all kinds of stuff, domestic violence, abortion, uh, police brutality, the Vietnam War, which was on the news every night, drugs, all of it. And so I was thinking a lot about it, and I even watched some old episodes yesterday on YouTube, which I recommend, because in 1968, there were all of these people in that show who became famous on 70s sitcoms, but were not famous yet. So uh, so I recommend that. But then I was thinking, Julie, we were not allowed to watch TV on a school <laughs> No, we night. weren't. No, like, no. We, Monday through Thursday... There was the no TV. TV. Was gone. I mean, at, at certain points in our in our growing up, our our father had cut the cord to the television set. So I in was a very dramatic move with a pair of scissors, you know. And I was, was... nine Ooh. in yeah in, in 1968. So or no, I guess I was 11. I was 11. So 
How were we watching Mod Squad? I don't. I, I think I, we watched it at our friend's house. I think we went on sleepovers, you know. Yeah, uh, but or, not on school. I don't know. I literally cannot reconstruct how we ever would have seen this show. But we saw it. There was there was no such thing as a DVR, a VCR, or like whatever it was. Uh, and here's why. I think that for me anyway, Julie was the first cool girl ever on TV, right? Yeah. She was just, that didn't exist before. I mean, no. you had like your that girl and, you know, those girls, but she was like a hippie chick. She had lived in Topanga Canyon. She was sort of like if Joni Mitchell was a cop. That's, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so anyway, I'm Peggy Lipton, you know, she just seemed like such a lovely person. Yes. And her daughter, Rashida Jones, is such a lovely person. Mm-hmm. I think even better of Peggy Lipton knowing what a lovely person Rashida Jones is. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, thank you, Pe- Peggy Lipton, for being the first cool girl on TV. You know, Sheila Weller, the writer who wrote Girls Like Us about uh, about Joni Mitchell and everything, she was very, very close to um, Peggy Lipton, and she wrote a beautiful remembrance of her, and it was on her Facebook page. Oh, really? But just about what a generous person over the years she was. At one point, she met her because they had talked about writing a book together, and they ended up, Peggy Lipton ended up choosing another writer, but she stayed very close to, uh, to Sheila Weller, and it was just a... You know, she just said whenever I needed some sort of voice on what was it like in the 60s or what did this meant, she was very open about raising biracial children. She married to Quincy Jones for a long time Mm -hmm. then divorced but has these lovely daughters. She just did sound like a super thoughtful, super grounded person. So, uh, yeah, it was sort of a surprise. I guess she had this cancer and then it kind of came back and... And but she didn't really tell anybody when it came back. So mm-hmm. her death was a surprise even to some of her. Oh, I didn't realize friends. that part of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and Doris Day, who I who know, is just a lovely yeah. person too, who I have no recollection of really. But you know, really? I, I grant you, she seemed like a lovely person. <laughs> <laughs> we had already moved on to Peggy Lipton, Julie Barnes. Really, Julie Barnes was the one. Right, we okay, loved. <laughs> all right. Let's. I mean, singing in the rain, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, All right. So last week I went to see Melinda Gates. Now she is Mm -hmm. the chair and founder of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. She is married to Microsoft founder and chair Bill Gates. And for 20 years, she kept a very, very low profile as his wife. Mm -hmm. But over the last five or six years, she decided to come forward, really be the face of the work of the foundation, which has done unbelievable work. Fantastic work. 20 years. So generous with all their money and really working on gigantic problems. Gigantic problems. Yeah. And so she is on a book tour. Her book is called um, The Moment of Lift. Uh, She was raised in Houston and they were big fans of the space shots. So they would go watch all the liftoffs. And she just she recounted how much she loved that moment when the booster rockets like kicked in and boom, you know, the the rocket got off the ground. So uh, the subtitle is How Empowering Women Changes the World. And I will say, if you pay attention to women's global issues, she is really our leading voice in America. She's very. And and can we say that we have been inviting her to come on the Satellite Sisters radio show and podcast for 20 years? We've always admired her. We've always admired the work that she's done. And she's never been able to come on the show. Nope. No, she's not. But But she used to have the excuse that she doesn't do that kind of thing. (laughs) 
But lately she does do that kind of thing. But we had just given up asking. Okay. Maybe we should start asking again. Melinda. Okay. So short of that, because we couldn't actually get her to come on our show, I went to her show. Yeah. So she's on this book tour. And so I went with a bunch of my friends from American Women for International Understanding. We bought, you know, 15 tickets and we all went to see her. And each city she was interviewed by different people, her her fabulous friends and interesting friends. And so in Los Angeles, she was interviewed by John Legend. I who, love him. I love him. Of course. He's, he's, he's smoother than smooth. He is. Yeah. Su- and he's super knowledgeable about a lot of the same issues that she's working mm-hmm. on. And uh, and so he, he did a great job interviewing her and was very the two of them are just very normal and very comfortable with themselves but that's what I would say my takeaway was is that for someone who is very wealthy she is very very grounded Mm -hmm. like it's hard to even put into words how grounded and thoughtful she is like when she stepped away from the public life because she thought I'm just going to raise my children Privately, she kept saying, "I'm a very private person. I'm a very private person." Uh, it, it it just she clearly did it because that's what she wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know. And she was very thoughtful about it, and she clearly thinks about everything. Like there was not a topic that John Legend could ask her about that she did not deliver a pitch perfect, thoughtful answer about. Didn't matter if it was malaria vaccines or trying to change the public schools in America or parenting or women speaking up at work or sharing the domestic household responsibilities. She she was like a human quote machine. I just (laughs) just couldn't believe it. She would make an awesome podcast. She would make (laughs) fantastic podcast. But also just a great person. And she said she finally decided to step forward after she said for 15 years, the Microsoft PR team was trying to get her to stand, go, stand by your man, show up with Bill, do this, do that. And she was like, no, no. I can really. see why she didn't want to do that. She didn't that. want to do that. Yeah. And let's, she had been a, you know, a very successful manager and project manager at Microsoft. She's yeah. very, right. very bright, always into computer science, credited the nuns at her Ursuline High School in Houston for bringing yep. the first computer into her classroom when she was 15. She fell in love. Mm-hmm. She went to Duke specifically to major in computer science, you know, went to work at Microsoft at 22 because it was a hot new company. And uh, But she just decided to pull back. And it wasn't until people started, she said, repeatedly referring to it as the Bill Gates Foundation, just really started to bug me because it's the <laughs> really? Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yep. And she yep. said, Bill was very busy running Microsoft. So I was really doing all the work on the foundation and the extensive traveling and doing all the meetings with governments and everything. And she said, I decided it was time to sort of step up and take my place publicly. Okay. So, uh, and she's taken a very, very active stance, you know, pro-contraception all over the world, letting Mm -hmm. women decide when and how and where they want their own children. And if you really want to raise up women and families and countries and economies, like that is the A number one choice women should be able to make by themselves. And Mm -hmm. something in here in the U.S., we we don't really appreciate how difficult it can be in other places. And she just 
Jill Anlis, she was just like a font of data and facts and figures. <laughs> oh, like you could really tell that she was a computer scientist because she said, now we're 20 years into this. And so we have measurable improvements in quality of life in these countries. Wow. And that's what it's all about. It's not that's about amazing. it's not about throwing money randomly at vaccines or malaria or mosquito netting or computers mm-hmm. in schools. It's saying, what can we prove actually works? Right. And then getting everybody on board. And she kept stressing our foundation is just a tiny slice of this pie. If you don't get government dollars on board and other NGOs and World Health Organization, it doesn't matter. Like everybody needs to work together. Right, to the get goal. that collective impact. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Amazing. And then there was one moment where they were John, John Legend, it was they were talking about again, because she had an answer for everything. <laughs> they were talking about like uh, gender bias in the workplace. Uh-huh. And so John Legend said, Yeah, I was reading in this book about this study that a professor did where, you know, she said, Oh, she said the Gates Foundation has gone to anonymous resumes. Oh, really? Anonymizing. A lot of it's companies are doing Liz, that. Yeah. It's a verb. <laughs> yeah. Anonymizing resumes. Mm-hmm. So they were talking about this like we don't know who, man, woman, we don't know. Black, we don't know. Black, white, we don't know. So anonymizing resumes. And John Legend said, oh, yeah, I remember this study about violin players getting in the first chair. Okay? So then Melinda Gates, she pulled a Liz Dolan, Julie. She pulled a Liz Dolan <laughs> oh, right there what? on stage. She said, oh, yes, that was Dr. So-and-so, who's he, what's he, at Harvard, <laughs> who works on the blah, 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 blah. And the study was about this, that, and the other thing, and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, my God, Liz Dolan. Like, <laughs> John Legend was me. Like, I remember a study vaguely. Here are a few vague details. And she was like, I was like, oh, she and Liz would really. She's the ideal person to ask follow-up questions. That's what I only do over on Safe for Work now, where that's encouraged, having the facts. Hey, Jess, it reminded me of that, but she's very impressive. She's out there. She's on many other podcasts. The book is The Moment of Lift. It's very personal, and it's about her work. And I think if you're looking for an answer on anything in your life, you could find it in the book. (laughs) Okay. About how to have an equal marriage or how to make an impact in the world or how to make an impact in your community. But both she and John Legend, who work on in the public school system here in the United States, they said that is absolutely the most difficult work they do. Really? Yeah, said, like, ridding the world of malaria easier than yeah. solving what's wrong with U.S. education. A systemic, uh, yeah, Because problem. there are so okay. many pieces to that pie and yeah. so many layers and levels and, and interests. And they both said they have just been stunned at how hard it is. How complex. So interesting. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, hey, Leon and Liz, two notes as we sort of turn the corner and go, uh, and go to our break. Uh, just uh, royal notes uh, about the name, you know, for Archie. Uh, we had, we of course, we have our new royal prince uh, who was born, and he was, and he's named Archie. And I saw that on our Facebook group. Some people loved the name. Some people were had to warm up to the name. Some people didn't like the name. And you know what? I think uh, we. I did some research of, of, on your behalf, sisters. That uh, allegedly the um, they, the name Archie is for one of Prince Harry's good friends, um, Tom Archer Burton. Uh, uh, one of those hyphenated British names, you know. Uh, but he is one of uh, Prince Harry's friends that assisted Harry. Harry wanted to go to Afghanistan to serve in the military to be one of the to be the only member of the royal family to do that. And Tom Archer Burton apparently helped him make that possible. So his name is Archie. But I have an urban nana rule, um, which I think now 
and I have fault. I've made this mistake in the past, and I regret it. I think names are given to babies with thought and love. So now on, no matter what the name is, I think when someone tells you the name, whether it's Archie or I heard um, I heard about a baby that was named Red R E D. The answer is perfect. That's yeah. what you say. <laughs> That's what you say. Perfect. And um, one other final note that hats off or uh, tops off or whatever, however we want to uh, congratulate Doria, because she just did an excellent job on one of my other urban Nana rules, which is to have a nice top on when you have your baby, when you have your picture photographed mm-hmm. with your new grandchild. And there she was with the queen. The queen was in a sweater. I'm not even sure that was a new sweater, uh, but I guess she's the queen. She can wear whatever she wants. <laughs> But Doria looked lovely. She had some shawl draped yes. over. Just just excellent work on your top, your Nana top. Yeah, yeah. and that's a high-pressure situation, that photo op. You know, yeah. so, yeah. yeah, totally holding her own there. Yeah, they her. both really delivered. Mm-hmm. Everybody looked great in that photo. And you're right. I, I, Archie's cute name. It's growing on me. You it's know, I noticed that. In. That's what it's it is. Perfect. It's more. It's a perfect name. Just try it. You can't go wrong. Our friend Tina Brown, who does occasionally agree to come on Satellite Sisters, <laughs> I noticed that she tweeted, Archie is very tough, very hairy, tough, T-O-F-F. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know what that word means. So I Googled <laughs> that. And that means very, very upper crust, very okay. kind of high end. So very tough. But it's perfect for them. And it's, it's perfect. perfect You're right. Baby. That's our policy. And that's, it's perfect. That's why. We don't get why. a vote. Okay, just I just occurred to me one follow up on last week. My husband, who knows nothing, being asked by Reuters about Meghan Markle. Yes. So last night, I don't know, we were watching the news or something, and there's some reference to Meghan Markle in suits. Okay, this is a show my husband actually watched for five years. Yes. I never understood it. I never watched it. I didn't get the show. But and then he looks up at me and goes, "Huh? Was she in that show?" I was like. <laughs> Maybe he has what I have, sort of a face blindness where he just doesn't remember people. <laughs> I was like, so you don't have any feelings for her, but suits you care about. strongly about. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with some news. But first, we want to thank some sponsors. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would you like to share? Would you like to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids. And one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, 
great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? <laughs> That's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. We're back. Yeah, Liz and Leon, I wanted to bring attention to the beautiful editorial that Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, wrote this past weekend. You know, she led her country through the shock and the grief of that horrific mosque attack where 50 men, women and children were killed, 39 others were injured. And she, um, you know, she showed such great leadership. Um, she led her country into passing a ban on military-style semi-automatic weapons, which was great. But now she's uh, she's working on another aspect of this t- kind of terrorism because that attack, like many attacks, was actually part of a new horrific trend by terrorists, which is. They uh, that the attack is designed to be broadcast, and that the event in New Zealand that was live streamed on Facebook for 16 minutes and 55 seconds. And even though the video was then taken down, in that period, the video was copied 1.5 million times. <gasps> And oh, that it has terrific. been uploaded on YouTube, you know, at, like it was being uploaded every second on YouTube. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's one thing to take away the guns, according mm-hmm. to Yacinda Ardern. But she said, now, if we really want to end the terrorists and the violent extremism, we have to end this content online. Right. And so she is she is pulling together with President Emmanuel Macron of France and she's coming together with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and other tech companies to just figure out a way that they they just have to stop posting this stuff mm-hmm. and and they have to they have to take it seems to me the tech companies have to take re- product responsibility we we expect this we demand this from all other kinds of products that we use how is it that these tech companies somehow it's like oh it's not our responsibility we're just part of a community of users, you know? Right. I mean, this is where these attacks, they now know that they're designing the attacks so that they can be broadcast so that it will inspire other terrorists uh, and, and they can use it for training. So I think it's, I think it is a great thing that she's doing. And I think it's about time that we clamp down on these tech companies. I'm totally with you on this one, Joel, that, you know, Facebook and the others, they refuse to sort of exercise any editorial functions. And they always say, we're a platform, not a publisher. So that means we're not responsible for what they call third-party communications. And, And courts have upheld this. So they're basically, they have immunity on this issue. So because there's no legal pressure for us to put on these tech companies, we have to bring all of this other pressure for them to police the content more. But I think they should change the law and there should be legal pressure. You really, as she said in in her op-ed, she says, it does not include the freedom to broadcast mass murder. Yeah. Okay. Which seems really obvious. It seems so fundamental. But then uh, then it's like, oh, the freedom of the, oh, you know. Yeah. But they're not the press. They're not the press. They're not the press. We're allowed to regulate them. 
they're not allowed to broadcast mass murder. I'm with you. And they are using these these videos and this content as weapons. It is, you know, it is, she's saying it is the same as the semi-automatic weapons, you know, that this is all part of the terrorist attack and we have to dismantle it and we have to stand up to it. So, uh, yeah, it was really well put. Great leadership. Mm-hmm. She's shown great leadership on this topic, and uh, I'm all f- I'm all for it. You know, that's what I can say. Well, last week, did you read the op-ed by one of the founders of F- Facebook? Yes. And his 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 proposal was that Facebook be broken up and be regulated by the government. Mm-hmm. He said it's too big now, and he said you have to decide: do you want like a bunch of people in Silicon Valley deciding what you can see, or do you want the government, yeah. which in truth has really done a pretty good job overseeing yeah. some of this stuff. And to do both those things, you have to break up the company, and then you have to actually regulate it. Yeah, because they were allowed to acquire uh, Instagram and WhatsApp, which really makes them a monopoly. Monopoly. (laughs) And so you break them up on that basis, not on the basis of policing content necessarily. Right. But anyway. then you can regulate. Them. Yeah, because yeah. they did. I think the the question of do you really want a bunch of people in Silicon Valley deciding? Yeah, that's what's a big okay? no. Because it hasn't worked. Yeah, they can't. They can't figure it out. It's too much. Too much. Um, all right, another story. Actually, that came from your podcast, Liz. Safe for work. I enjoy walking the dog on Mondays and listening to your new show. Always makes me happy. You and Rico do a great job over there. Thank and you. This Liam. week you had an interesting call from a woman who used the term the glass cliff. Mm -hmm. She felt like she was being promoted and offered this job because these were companies that were deep in trouble. They didn't have any diversity in their upper management. And here she was, a Latina woman, and she was worried she was going to take this job and then just be pushed right off the glass cliff. Right. And I had never heard that term before. Had you? I had never heard it before either until we got her letter. So we did some research and things before we talked to her. So if the glass cliff, Julie, here's the twist. Everybody knows what the glass ceiling is. But the glass cliff is that women are elevated to positions of power when things are going poorly. Uh, So it means when they do get the big job, they are given like the worst big jobs. They're put into precarious positions. And as a result, they have a higher likelihood of failure. So it's sort of what I think of the total desperation move is, okay, let's put a woman in charge of this. Like we got nothing to lose now. And and the same actually (laughs) and and research. I won't take you through the research source because clearly you but don't we, find... We know them. you know the research. <laughs> we know you know it. It's in the show notes if you want to read the research, but uh, but it also happens with minority groups too. It's like, it's just a move of last resort. And as a result, it kind of sets you up to fail. Right. That's so, what the concept is. So you use the exa- exa- example on the show of Theresa May. Yeah. She yeah. used the example of Marissa Meyer there at Yahoo. Yeah. Like yeah. the company was going down and they, they stuck her out there. Mm-hmm. And so it immediately made me think of the new president of USC, uh, University of Southern California. We've talked a lot uh-huh. about it. They've been involved in the college admission scandal and a whole host of other. So many scandals. So many scandals. Like really Yes. Five years of bad, bad scandals. So guess what? They just named their first woman <laughs> as president. See? Carol Fault. She was a chancellor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and she's going to be the okay. first female president in the school's 139-year history. And I thought, she is walking off that glass cliff. I know. It's, she yep. is. Now you know. I, yeah. What's the answer, Liz? Do you not take these positions? or you This know, is what's so what hard about it, Julie. Yeah. 
this is what's so hard. You can't. You don't want to say no. But then again, I mean, the woman we were talking to on Safe for Work, she it was a mid-level management kind of person. But they were. She was getting a lot of calls from recruiters from really toxic work environments that they needed someone to come in and kind of clean up the mess. Right. And so, you know, and she was like, I don't think I'm qualified for this job. So we talked about her qualifications. And I think women always undersell their qualifications. So my advice to her is, no, you're probably qualified to do this. You really have to think about the other part of it, whether this is what you want to take on right now in your career. But I don't know that there's a good solution, Julie. (laughs) I honestly don't know. Uh, the, The fact that they're they're turning only to women when they just can't think of a white guy who's willing to take the job. <laughs> Yikes. And I was at an event this week. It was a bachelorette party for a friend, so it wasn't exactly the perfect place to have a serious discussion. But a friend of mine here in Los Angeles who runs a large foundation, and we were talking about USC, and she said, you know, this is a really important job because USC is actually one of the biggest employers here in Los Angeles. So, Well, I could see that because it's right. a full university plus hospital system. So, yes, they would have yes. a lot of people. Yes, right. they have, right. you know, 47,000 students, and then you can imagine the staff and everything like that. She said, so this is not a small thing. And that poor woman walking off the glass cliff, I mean, I wish her well, but yeah. you need a lot of support behind you. It's just something I mean, to watch. The Theresa May example was interesting. That's why I offered it on the show because literally all those other guys got England to vote leave. And then once they voted leave, they all backed away like, okay, well, I'm not running this process. <laughs> and like the cheese stands alone. Poor, poor Theresa May right. ends up in the, like the worst prime minister gig anyway. Now, I'm not absolving her of her role in all of it. But, you know, it was pretty obvious that everybody else just completely stepped away and did not want to take responsibility for what somebody in charge in England needed to do. Anyway. Well, Liz, if you get right. a call to run Facebook, I'd, I'd walk away. I'd walk <laughs> away. Do okay. not take that job. Or Uber. I think, didn't they put a woman in there for a while when they were going through all that turmoil, too? Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they hired a head of marketing, uh, yeah. a woman, an African-American woman, who left like nine months later by the booth. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, maybe the answer is that you need to talk to more strangers, because I have some fab- fabulous uh, uh, research for you today, sisters. Uh, Leanne, do you talk to strangers? I do all the time. Yeah. I talk yeah. so well, much to strangers, my sons say, why do you talk to everybody? <laughs> they think it's really? an actual character flaw. Yeah. Or they'll say, and do Liz, you have Liz, to talk? Do you talk to strangers? Actually, Liz, I'll answer it for you. I know you don't talk to strangers. You know, I know that's just the way you roll. But there's some research that was presented this week that actually talking to a stranger, not a friend or a loved one, but uh, uh, but talking to a stranger can significantly improve your day. That by having a pleasant encounter, even a nonverbal one, maybe, you know, you're on the subway and you, you just make eye contact, uh, that can be very soothing to you. Yet it can actually improve your mood. It can be a mood booster to talk to strangers. Uh-huh. Strangers. I mean, and the reason why is because people feel more connected. They feel like they're part of something bigger. And this is some research that done by Jillian Sandstrom at the University of Essex, that if you strike up a conversation with your barista or the checker at the grocery store, or the drugstore, maybe, you know, wherever, people, people to ha- tend to have 
are happier on days when they have these kind of encounters. Uh, she, she did some research where she sent, she sent out a whole group of people uh, to talk to strangers. And 99% of them found at least, you know, one conversation that was very pleasantly surprising. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, you know, the odds on this are good. 82% of the people that were out talking to strangers actually learned something from somebody else. How about that? Oh, come on. What are For- the chances of that? <laughs> <laughs> See, Liz? I'm only 40- kidding. <laughs> 43% of the people exchanged contact information. Like you're at the airport what? or, you know, or, or and 40% said they'd have repeat conversations with it. So in, in fact, she's linked this to, she says, it's going to ending up with better emotional and physical health because the longer you, you talk to strangers, our dad was a big talker of strangers, right? He used to drive yeah. our mom crazy, right? Yeah. He talked to anyone, right? Mm-hmm. He loved mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because it meets this basic need you have. Number one, you're in control when you talk to strangers, right? Because it, because you can choose to talk or not talk. And you can also choose to disclose how much information you want and how, you know, and in many ways it can make you feel very capable because you don't have to disclose all your failures or your misgivings, you know, and it helps you fight loneliness, Hmm. So, uh, so it's a good thing. I mean, I've moved so much. I had to talk to strangers. If yeah. I didn't talk to strangers, I wouldn't have any friends. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> well, Julie, I, you're you're kind of making me me sound like super unfriendly, and I just want to say that is not the case. It's more, I have a hard policy on not talking to people on planes. That's really where it's like, by the time I'm on a plane, normally I've been working hard somewhere. I just want to get home. I do not chit-chat with seatmates. But, but see, it could, it could boost your mood, Liz, after a hard day. You could actually learn something. And, and maybe, told- maybe you might you might connect with somebody in yeah. a way that uh, very unexpected. Okay, I'm sorry, Julie, but I'm going to have to tell you that you are correct and that that actually happened to me last week. It's so funny that you bring this up right now. I was on a plane last Thursday going from Los Angeles to Portland, Oregon for a project I'm working on. And a whole bunch of people got on the plane like around me. They were obviously all colleagues. And I could tell because I used to work at Nike that all these people were from Nike. And the, <laughs> But the woman who sat next to me, I did not know. But the guy in front of me, I kind of knew, but I couldn't remember his name. And I was like, oh, my God, what if he turns around and wants to say hello? And I don't know who he is. So I was forced out of desperation to talk to the woman next to me. My entire goal was to figure out what's that guy's name in case 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 he says hi. But it turns out when I introduced myself to the woman next to me, she said, oh, my God. And she introduced herself. She said, and I have this is a woman I have always wanted to meet. We were never at the company at the same time, but because we have so many friends in common, we are actually Facebook friends, this woman and I. And even though we've never met, I left that company 20 years ago and she's been there 20 years. Like uh, we chatted the entire two hours from Los Angeles to Portland. We had so much in common, we had so much to talk about. I actually ended that flight, Julie, thinking, I should do this more often. I should, I, like, because that was great. I was so happy to have had that conversation with someone that I've kind of always wanted to connect with. So 
There you go. Did Maybe. you exchange contact information? Yes, we did. There you yes, go. Yes, we did. Part of the 43%. Okay. Is, see, I've talking gotten... to strangers. It's good for you. Do it some more. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just that when you do it on a plane, you're kind of trapped. Like once you open the door to conversation, you can't close it. But you're right. I think I learned my lesson. There you go. All right. Talk to strangers this week. That's your to-do list. Fantastic. Uh, I still can't envision Liz talking to... Um, the checker at the grocery store. <laughs> no, I can't either. Start small. <laughs> it's not snobby. It's just what would she say? Here I have, you know, water and coffee. That's what. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I don't know. I don't and know why you mustard. think that's so unusual. I just, you know, I'm just trying. It's just a transaction. I know. We're just trying to move through the line quickly here, people. No, no. No, you shouldn't. You can do this. Okay. All right. Uh, coming up next, entertaining sisters. But first, a word from. Liz, summer is coming up, and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in in Bend for a part of the summer, I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what what I'm recommending. (laughs) Either way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. ButcherBox gives you peace of mind and easy-to-find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz. Right. Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is (laughs) (laughs) nice. That's nice. (laughs) Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at ButcherBox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer plus Get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. We have one other announcement here. We just want to remind you to add something simple to your to-do list. We would like you to share the sisters. You know, we've been talking a lot lately on the show how one thing you can really do for us is when you're with your friends and, you know, you're having coffee or you're having drinks or you're having dinner and you're talking about your favorite podcast, don't just talk up the sisters seize people's phones and teach them how to subscribe (laughs) to a podcast. A little tutorial with your cup of coffee is nice, right, Leanne? Sure. You've done it. Just like everybody holds up their phone. You just explain to them, here's how you go in. No matter what app you have on your phone, teach your friends how to subscribe to Satellite Sisters. So super easy to do. And all the latest research, I know I don't want to get bogged down on research again, (laughs) because clearly that's kind of a sore point here, but... The, the best way to spread a show is through word of mouth. So the word of sisters is what's most important to us. So thank you very much for sharing the sisters when you're with your own satellite sisters and misters. Okay, next up, we're into entertaining sisters now. Um, can we just say, 
the Veep finale. First of all, I was thinking, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. There's another woman who's been on Satellite Sisters, yes. Melinda Gates. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Melinda. <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus has been on our show because she is a true Satellite Sister. But, you know, watching the Veep finale, it was just um, the the writing and performing chops that it takes to have an episode of television like that where it's so funny that you're and there's so much like bitter comedy through seven seasons of just the bitterest, funniest kind of put downs and comebacks. And yet they leave you like crying at the end. I actually cried. I don't want to. We're not going to spoil the whole episode, but it was just the perfect landing for one of my favorite shows. Uh, what did you guys think, Leanne? What did you think? Well, I just thought it was an unrelenting forty-eight minutes of yes. television <laughs> till the very last shot. That show lived up to its promise. Yes. And one of the things I've always admired about Julia Louis-Dreyfus as a performer uh, is that she is willing to play women that are not always likable and sweet and nice. There's not yeah. a soft side to that. No, character Selena at is all. No, mean. No. Yeah, but you know. Even in even in Seinfeld, yeah, Elaine, Elaine yeah. was just not that nice. And then the new adventures of old Christine, there's yeah. always a hard edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just love that she was a fully realized female character. Yes. That, and, and, you know, up until the very last frame of that show. So I've yes. been a big fan of that show. I thought, I mean... Just hand her the Emmy now. I mean, that's (laughs) not even the point. She's set to take a, if she wins the Emmy, which she should. There were a couple of scenes. She just win the Emmy for those scenes. Like (laughs) 12 seconds. Some of the speeches. And of course, it's the whole supporting cast there. They're all fantastic. Yes. Yes. I I would say that finale, though, I wanted to watch it in slow-mo just to get every single thing that she said to various characters, some of the speeches, some of the ranting, some of the, you know, that she was doing. I I may have to go back and watch it again. It was that good in terms of everybody's uh, final moments in that show were just outstanding. Yeah. And this is very adult language on this show. So we've said that before. Shocking. (laughs) Like, shockingly. you can't even believe the words she's stringing together. You, it's like it's it's so shocking. If you and if you don't have HBO, but you just want to like Google like the best burns on uh, on Veep, like there are a bunch of people that did um, like supercuts of great moments from that show that are all on the internet now. So again, adult language. As long as you're cool with that, it's just like, you can imagine the writers sitting around playing Can You Top This, trying to come up with the most outlandish insults for each other. Anyway, all within a story that hangs together and somehow satirizes the current political situation and also showed humanity. Yes. It was so it's it was an astonishing piece of writing and acting and great directing. Uh, for that last episode. I will miss that show. There will be a void. I know everyone else is watching Game of Thrones, but there's going to be a void for me no. Sunday night. I know. I don't yeah. know. I it know. feels well, like Friday Night Lights. When Friday Night Lights ended, I, I still really haven't replaced sure what to do it. with yourself. No, and this is, it feels the same way. Yeah. It feels the same way. In the void, I always talk, turn to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Just, you know, <laughs> okay. it, it doesn't have the hard edge of Veep, but it's... It's just wildly entertaining, 100% of the time. And it's on Hulu, all the back episodes. Anyway, okay, Joel. Well, Leanne and Liz, because you have some free time, maybe you have time to go to Russia. Because that's where I spent my weekend uh, watching two two different shows. One is the HBO and Sky uh, new uh, historic drama that's on 
called Chernobyl. Now, Leon, apparently, under no circumstances, you said you would you ever watch this. Nope. But this was an amazing. This is an amazing story. You know, it is it is the story. It's based on the true story of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster that happened April twenty sixth in nineteen eighty six, and it is the worst. It's the true story of the worst man made nuclear you know catastrophe ever. They don't even know to this day how many people died as a result of this, really? of the total, of the meltdown. I mean, the Soviet toll is 31 people, but really? at least 6,000 people have died as a result of ex- uh, the radiation exposure, but it may be as many as 93,000 that, um, that have died uh, from, from radiation. This is the story of the complete failure of the state. I mean, that they, their failure of those politicians of the Soviet system, you know, they just, they just lied about the total nuclear meltdown. I mean, that, and that cost lives. They sealed people in the city. And then the thousands, hundreds of thousands of troops that they sent into the city that was totally, you know, covered in radiation, you know, just, just to, to contain it. And they never, ever admitted to this. When I was living in Moscow, I attended a benefit for Chernobyl survivors, which was interesting because this was a time Russia, the Soviet Union had collapsed and Russians were talking about this as a failure because they were not allowed to talk about this during the Soviet Union at the time of the Soviet Union. You know, this they were pretending this didn't happen. Even the nuclear scientists were pretending. So this is a very compelling story. It's well done. It's got wonderful British actors in it. It's beautifully filmed. It is not uh, there. It is just it's a heavy, tragic, heartbreaking story. But uh, I think it is well worth your time. So I'm going to. Leanne does not look convinced, but I I am, Julie. I'm going to watch it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, well, Leanne, I have another one that I think you will like because it's about dancing and you are our family dancer. Yes. And the name of this uh, movie is called The White Crow. Now, this is a small independent movie. It's directed by Ralph Fiennes and it is the life of the dancer of Rudolf Nureyev. Oh. Uh, And they have a fabulous, absolutely fabulous Ukrainian dancer, Oleg Ivenko, who is who plays the role of Rudolf Nureyev in this. And he's just an amazing dancer. So, but he's also a very good actor. And this is the story of how Rudolf Nureyev, who grew up in, you know, in he was born on a train and grew up in the rural outskirts. And somehow, because of his extraordinary talent and his dedication to his life as an artist, he made his way to St. Petersburg, to the Marinsky Theater, to the greatest ballet troupe ever. And then from there, it's the story of his defection. I mean, which seems so sort of weird. But in the 1960s, his, the, the Russian troupe traveled to Paris to do a series of um, ballet shows, and uh, he, he defected. And right. you know, that's yes. a very dramatic scene. So the name of the movie is called The White Crow. Uh, you know, he was just a very unusual person his whole entire life, dedicated to art and to mastery of his dance and he and he moved dance to a different level leanne i don't know if you have any rudolph nureyev moves in any of your (laughs) dance numbers i don't i'd like to be able to do those turns he would do those unrelenting turns and then the leaps but no i i have no vertical 
Uh, <laughs> but this, I've I've heard from several of my dancer friends that this is a fantastic movie. Oh, so, it's, a, it's a really, really lovely movie, and just and he's uh, Ralph Fiennes is play is in that he directed it, and he's in the movie. And this young actor uh, is just Oleg Ivanko is just mesmerizing. You really are, you know, you're in with him. So, so I where is this movie? That. Is this Netflix? Did you say? No, no, no. no. It's, it's just a the movie movie. Right oh, now. okay. Ind- right. Independent movie theaters. The White Crow is the name of it. All yeah. right. Liz, I see here it's playing at the Landmark. I, I just looked it the up. I, I may go on Thursday night. Cause... I totally believe in going to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I just I need to get out of the house. <laughs> Me too. So, all these people yeah. that watch movies at home, I don't get it. The whole point is get go someplace nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. We would like to thank our sponsors for this week's show. And thanks to you who support the people that support us. Great to have more women's voices on the air. Thank you. We'd like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez, for the great work that he does here. you have anything coming up next week you need to talk about? No, no, but no. I understand you've got a major to-do list item for today, well, right? You've got a lot going on, Leon. I think and, I mentioned on the show earlier that uh, I'm hosting, co-hosting with Julie as my co-host, an engagement party for our niece, Ruthie. Right. So Sheila's daughter, Ruthie. It's a West Coast engagement party for our New York niece and her fiancé, Jeremy. Yes. So it started as a small conversation that I was not even involved with. <laughs> no, I, Julie... I volunteered you and your house. That's right. Without your without your knowledge. Yeah. yeah or permission. <laughs> so, yeah. So that that happened last August, and the party is Memorial Day weekend. Uh-huh. So on the thing, you know, so... When Julie, it's, it, was, it was started off as a small backyard affair. Yeah. Isn't that what we're it, having? It's yeah. still yeah. a small backyard affair, except I did have to paint my entire house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, you know, using the excuse of, oh, the family's coming. I guess we should paint the house for the first time in 19 years. Uh-huh. So that is happening and the clock is really ticking. So all I'm going to say is, Julie, when you arrive, I would not touch the trim because <laughs> Painting okay. a house is really a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. I liked I liked when someone, I mean, this is bold, said on the Facebook page, you and your husband are such DIYers. Why? I'm surprised you guys aren't painting your own house. We have a professional crew there for two weeks. <laughs> like my yeah, husband there's a lot I'm, of prep work that yes. needs to be done before you actually slap the paint on. Yes. That's what I mean, I've learned. Yeah. We can do interior stuff, but exterior, mm-hmm. I don't want my husband on the roof. I don't want, I'm not getting up on a ladder and no. I am lazy when it comes to prep. So we have the whole team there they are painting it i think when i go home today there'll be actual paint on the stucco we're picking the colors and everything but that's just item one for the party paint the house <laughs> <laughs> so once you start with that on your to-do list everything else really it doesn't seems look, minor oh julie wants a steel drum all right i can find a steel drum player all right i got a guy coming steel drum that's good nice i know and that's gonna be a nice little touch in the backyard it is yeah. because our theme i'm just going with the taco theme Mm-hmm. And this is a party I've executed for my son's graduation, for my husband's office party. I have the taco cart come. I make the ceviche. We have a couple of extra things. There's a vegan Caesar kale salad that is top notch. I've had that. I That's have, delish. We have the menu. We're good to go. 
And I am surprised, though, Liz, when I started to look around at Julie, how many taco-themed items there are. I thought this was just a California thing, but apparently— Items like what? Well, like cocktail napkins. So I specialty ordered some cute cocktail napkins. First of all, they have a taco on it, and it says, let's taco about love. Oh, that (laughs) is cute. And then I had Ruthie and Jeremy inscribed on the napkins. So they're personalized napkins. That's a nice touch. But Uh you could, let's taco about the new baby. Let's taco about the wedding. Let's taco about— your birthday. I had no idea that there were so many taco-themed items out there. Oh, you're never going to move past this theme then. It's and just going to fit everything you ever do. It really, and then when I called the rental company, I was like, we need a couple of tables. We need this. Julie said, you have to rent all. I Just do what Julie says. You have to rent the plates <laughs> and the cup and the wine yeah, glasses okay. and everything. Yeah. So, okay, Julie. So I rented that and she said, well, what is your engage- What is your party? I said, well, it's a taco-themed engagement party. And she said, oh, those are very very popular. Really? Like taco-themed yeah. engagement parties? She goes, well, taco-themed anything. Yeah. So, okay, we're just, we're Man, on trend. I saw some taco ice cream. So it's like a waffle cone in the shape of a taco filled with ice cream. Okay. <laughs> That's the dessert? Yeah, we're going to get the paillettas, the the uh, popsicles. But if you want to get a few of those, you can look around. Yeah. That can be your thing. Yeah. So, Julie, we need to do some gift bags. But I think everything yeah. else is set as long as they finish painting the house. <laughs> <laughs> Really going to be the key. Okay, to down the to the wire situation, but we'll have well, a Why f- don't you have them start in the back of the house first? Okay, <laughs> so at least where the party is, the paint will be dry. You That's, know what? Uh, These guys are good. They have a system. They're just doing it. And yeah. what I've learned with, you know, my home improvement, when my husband says it's go time, it's go time. I just have to like, go. just have to jump on. Okay, fine. I'll go get the paint right now. <laughs> I mean, it's literally what happened. Like, uh-huh. okay, we can squeeze this in. Okay, go time. So, but painting your house for the party, what I love about that is it's just so mom. <laughs> that is, Julie, didn't mom paint our house for your wedding? I mean, not personally paint, but there was, oh, yeah, she there was a lot of... replanted yeah. all of that, yeah, the house and repaved the driveway. Yeah, there was there were cute, a few projects. Yeah. 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 Okay, I like it. It's I mean, the, the spirit of mom using it as a deadline to organize a yes. lot of other unrelated things. Right. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, this guy's, we may have parties every weekend this summer because we <laughs> let's taco about our new house paint. Let's taco... <laughs> Taco about the 4th of July. (laughs) I'm just saying, just putting it out there. So I think we will be good. Looking forward to your arrival. We Uh wish you won't be able to join us. She'll be at your college reunion. But Mm -hmm. many other family and friends are coming. So really looking forward to it. It should be be fun. It should be something to taco about. I think afterwards. (laughs) I'll come over so we can taco about the paint job. Okay. (laughs) There you go. That's it for today, right? Are we done tacoing? Yes. (laughs) We are. (laughs) But don't forget, taco to your satellite sister. (laughs) (laughs) We're the satellite sisters. Don't forget, call your satellite sister.